back to a state where we don't know anything or don't have any skills or any past or, uh, or any, anything on our resume, <clears throat> the, the, the key there is where is your confidence, amen? Nothing wrong with knowing things, nothing wrong with knowing a lot of the Word, nothing wrong with knowing uh, how to read the Bible or study the Bible. The issue is when, uh, you know, your attitude is, Lord, I've got this. And that's really the issue is, Lord, I, I can study on my own, Lord, I understand these things on my own. Uh, and, and so that's kind of what Paul is going through. And it's really, it's, you know, I, I think it's a good thing because <clears throat> I, I hear this, I hear this a lot. And, and to be honest, where I hear it more than anywhere else is in relation to health, right? Our physical health. And I hear a lot of people say, well, you know, I, I believe in healing, but you know, you still got to eat right and sleep well and, and exercise and do those things, right? And, and for where the Lord has just really had me meditating on is, is that true? Is it true that I, I can remain healthy? Now, you know, when I say, is it true? Is it true according to the promises in the word of God? Does the word of God say, I am, I am the Lord thy healer as long as you get eight hours of sleep. I am the Lord your healer as long as you uh, walk at least 0.6 miles per day. Right? I am your healer as long as you don't eat more than uh, one uh, steak uh, a year, month, day, whatever it is, right? Uh, are there any footnotes to Exodus 15, 26? Well, if, if there's not, then, you know, <clears throat> we, we, we've got to find where in the Word of God are, are the boundaries, right? So are, uh, are there any boundaries that you can just eat whatever you want to, as much as you want to, however often you want to? Well, no, because there's a boundary called uh, self-control, right? Temperance. Uh, and uh, is, is that a boundary? That is a boundary. Uh, and so uh, if we decided to get out of balance <clears throat> and, you know, never eat whatever again, um, then uh, is that out of balance, right? Uh, and so I think you would quickly get out of balance in that area. And a lot of people do, you know, and a lot of people harm themselves uh, because I, I know a friend of ours, in fact, a family friend, uh, had to go to the hospital and they were concerned about their, their actual life that they might actually pass because they had gotten in a habit of taking these super mega vitamins, right? You know, not just 100% daily allowance, but 1,000% daily allowance, you know, and it would consume multiples of those, right? So they're consuming, you know, 10, 50, 100 times what, what doctors say is reasonable, assuming that if, you know, if 100% of vitamin C is good, 1,000% vitamin C is good. But, you know, the problem with that is your liver is the one that, that and they were concerned that they'd killed their liver, right, because the liver was overwhelmed, and, uh, and they were able to get it back into control. And, and um, <clears throat> in fact, I just, just today I was reading about a lady who had taken her baby to the hospital, and the baby was really sick and weakly and, and looked malnourished, and and uh, they were thinking I had this problem, this problem, this problem, and they started interviewing the mother. And, and you know, this is like a baby that hadn't been weaned yet. They said, "Well, I don't, I don't uh, feed it, uh, I don't breastfeed the baby, uh, but instead of uh, regular milk, uh, I give it. I've been given almond milk, thinking that well, almond milk's always been good for me, right? And so thinking that." But the problem is, you know, if you like baby formula, it, they try to make baby formula be as close to breast milk as they can, right? All the nutrients, because there's a lot of specific nutrients that newborns have to have to grow successfully in things that, you know, things like milk doesn't have and, and even other, other foods don't have. Uh, but so her assumption was, if it's good for me, it's good for the baby, right? And so, uh, which is not an unreasonable assumption, but, you know, uh, God invented this thing called the internet, right? Uh, but I don't want to be hard on the, on the mother because, you know, she was she was sincerely doing what she thought was best for the baby, although it wasn't it wasn't good for the baby. And so but in that, you know, so, I, you know, I believe there are things that that, sh that give us guidance. Uh, you know, a lot of times people say we've got to use wisdom. But usually when I hear people say you got to use wisdom, they're, they're having confidence in the flesh. Right. Because wisdom typically when they say eat wisdom, then, you know, low fat, you know, uh, low salt diets, you know, you know, whatever the list is. <clears throat> but again, that, that's separate from what the Word of God says, right? Uh, and, but I think if you go back to the Word of God and find out things like temperance, self-control, uh, and you know, moderation, those types of things, then everything does fit, right? And so, you know, <clears throat> I'm not going to tell you what to do as far as what you should eat. It's not my job. I'm not a doctor, right? Because 
For one thing, all of our bodies are different. Your DNA is different than my DNA, and there are things that your particular body needs that my particular body may not need, right? That you may need more, uh, a, a higher percentage of something in your life physically than I need because your body is made from DNA from your parents, right? And, 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 um, and no doubt if there's issues in that, uh, in your physical body, the Lord can heal that. But uh, if there's no sickness, you still may need, you know, just more potassium than somebody else needs, right? I don't know, you know, like I said, I'm not a doctor, but um, so my, my, my meditation has been where uh, in my life am I having confidence in my flesh? Where, you know, in any area, whether it's my intellect or my experience or my, you know, great charisma, right? Whatever it is, uh, you know, people who have these amazing charisma, right? They're just super amazing speakers. But you find out that that's kind of their, their, that's their confidence. They're confident in their ability to orate and to, and to speak and to get the crowds on the edge of their seats. And, and yet the substance of what they say is, is, you know, fairly, could be fairly empty, right? Not much substance, but, but the, the way they speak and the way they, they you know, gesture and, and the stories they tell, you know, they're really good at that. And, and, and so we have to guard ourselves that my confidence is not in, in anything in my own self. And, and so then, that's, then he goes on, you know, goes through his list of, uh, uh, his, list of his resume there, right? Because uh, he said, look, because um, the argument is, well, people may say, well, Paul, that's, that's fine. You say I have no confidence in flesh because look at you. You're dumb as a rock and you've got no skills anyway. So it's easy for you not to have confidence in the flesh. And he said, well, that's not true. He, and then he, say, he says, look, here's why I could have confidence in the flesh. And he starts through the list, right? That, that uh, uh, he said he was circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel. And so those, those are important things, right? The law of Moses said, well, when you have a, 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 a male child, then you've circumcised them on the eighth day after they're born. Uh, and uh, now, did everybody in Israel do that? I imagine there's a lot of people who did not do that. And so he can say, look, I did it. I followed the law. Uh, and so that's a point of confidence that he has of the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin. Uh, and of course, he doesn't mention it, but Benjamin, uh, what king came from the tribe of Benjamin? Do we know? It was, what's that? No, uh, David was, uh, I guess David was Judah, Judah, right? Um, but um, uh, Saul, uh, King Saul came from the tri- tribe of Benjamin. Well, who was uh, Paul named after? His original name was Saul, right? So that's kind of a clue right there, right? Uh, and so, uh, so he can say, I'm, I'm from the same stock as the first king of Israel. Uh, you know, kind of bragging rights, right? Uh, and, and, you know, you ever seen people have bragging rights? You know, well, I, you know I'm from so-and-so. You know, I really, you know, I graduated from so-and-so. I got a degree from so-and-so. Or, you know, I worked at so-and-so. Or, you know, my house is located at so-and-so. And, and there's always, you know, there's always people always trying to find bragging rights for anything, right? Uh, and so... Um, a Hebrew of the Hebrews is touching the law of Pharisee. So again, he's telling me, here's why I, should ha- I could have confidence in the flesh, right? Here is my resume uh, concerning zeal, persecuting the church. You know, what have you done for the Lord? I've done all these things for the Lord. What have you done for the Lord? Uh, and, and so, <clears throat> you know, have you persecuted the church? Touching righteousness, which is in the law, blameless. Uh, and so that's his resume, right? That, that's, the, that's the positive things that he's done in his life. And from a Jewish perspective, all of these things are to be commended, right? All of these things are impressive, especially as touching to law, a Pharisee. Uh, and, you know, that, that's, uh, that's pretty good, right? Uh, and, and so, but then he goes on and changes gears a little bit into verse 7 and says, uh, But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. <clears throat> so the things that I would consider to be positives or things that I've done or things that I've learned, uh, those could be considered uh, um, some type of, of uh, uh, well, I'm trying to think of a particular word, but profit, you know, profitable to me. But he said that they are a loss. Uh, and really, uh, if you look up the word loss, there's a lot of words for that, but, but uh, some of them mean uh, a disadvantage, some of them means a damage, right? And so he's saying in some cases, these could be damaging to you. Now, and I have seen that, that, that sometimes... You know, people who have, you know, kind of no past, they have no particular education, they have no particular skill set, sometimes it's easy for them to believe God versus somebody who's got, you know, six PhDs on the wall and they've got all this important, uh, 
experiences and maybe they were somebody of importance in the world, sometimes it's difficult for them to, uh, to accept the Lord because you have to accept the Lord by faith, right? No evidence, just faith alone. Uh, and so sometimes that is a, it is damaging and a disadvantage for some people to have these skill sets, right? <clears throat> now, it doesn't have to be because is this, who's writing this? Paul's writing this, right? So he's saying, I've got all these things, but I count, I count them as, as damaging or of no value to me, loss, right? So, so uh, in other words, so if he chose to lean upon those, that would be a disadvantage to him. That would be damaging to his spiritual life. Uh, now, you know, when I say lean on that, I mean having confidence in that, right? Well, I can handle this, Lord, because I have a degree. I can handle this, Lord, because, you know, I taught in Bible school. I can handle this, Lord, because, you know, I've got my 36-year Sunday school pen or whatever it is, right? Lord, I can handle this because, you know, I've, I've walked uh, with you all of these years. But again, all of those statements are statements that, that, that imply that you have confidence in your flesh and your experience and your background and your skill set. Uh, and Paul said, I don't want to have any, I don't want to have any confidence of anything I've done. So, so, you know, you have to judge with, from the standpoint of, is it okay if you want to pursue some of these things? Is it okay to pursue, you know, like a, uh, like a Bible degree and, and study Greek and Hebrew? And <clears throat> yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with that uh, because to me, it's just, it's just information, right? And as long as you don't use that as a, well, look, uh, I'm going to compare my life to your life and I'm going to compare myself um, against you. In fact, to just hold your place there, if you turn to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, <clears throat> and really, you know, the, uh, of course, I was in the corporate world for many years, and I saw this a lot, right? I saw uh, people who try to lord it over you because they knew something you didn't know. You ever met people like that? Well, I know this, and you don't know this. And, <clears throat> you know, along the way, I realized, well, you know, we all came out of the womb exactly the same way. Nobody came out of the womb knowing how to solve that particular algebraic formula. Nobody did, right? Everybody learned how to do it somewhere along the way. Uh, and and uh, some people may have learned it more easily than other people, but you still learned it, right? You just didn't dream it up out of your, se- out of your own head there. Uh, and so, so, you know, I was never impressed with people who, who really thought that they were somebody because they knew something, but I have met many people like that over the years. And, and, um, but here, this is one of my favorite verses because I, I think about this a lot. Second uh, uh, Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, it says, For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. And, and that's really something that we should all take to heart that you know, from my perspective, I need everybody, right? I need all of you all, and we all have different life experiences, right? We all different, have different life skills. And just because I have a skill set or, or life experience or knowledge that you don't have, you know, for me to say I'm better than you, I'd have to compare myself to you. Well, I've got this and you don't, therefore I'm better than you. And Paul said if you compare yourselves among yourselves, you are not wise, right? If you're, if you're, if you're trying to say you're more important than somebody else because you're a Hebrew of the Hebrews or the tribe of Benjamin, uh, Paul said you were unwise. Uh, and, it, and, you know, if the whole church could learn that, that we would all get along so much better. Uh, and, and yet, you know, even in a ministry, I've had people imply that because I have a college education that's not a, I mean, I have a theological degree, but I also have an engineering degree. Uh, and because I have an engineering degree, that that somehow diminishes me in, this, in, the, in the ministry. Uh, that I'm not a faith person, you know, you know, I'm I've got a degree from a, from a natural college, and, <clears throat> and it's really odd, right? Isn't it odd, you know, that people would think that, but people do, right? Some, uh, not many people, but some people think that because I have some natural skills outside of the ministry that somehow that makes me less spiritual than other people. And that, uh, in the, in the implication a lot of times is unless you're dumb as a brick and, and, you, and you couldn't do anything other than ministry, then you're not really a great minister, except for this little th- person called Paul, right, who had all these things, right, who, who was a Hebrew of the Hebrews, right, a Pharisee, right, a Pharisee spent many years in study and education and training to learn the law and execute the law w- without issue. Uh, and so, uh, so I'm thankful, uh, you know, I'm thankful for Peter, who was, you know, they, in fact, they called him that, uh, uh, unlearned and uneducated men. That's what they thought of Peter and, and James and John, right, the fishermen. Uh, and, and some people think, well, then you, you, in order to be a minister, you have to be unlearned and uneducated, except for then Paul right there, right? So, 
uh, from the Lord's perspective, what's the requirement to be a minister? It's really simple, right? Just called. You have to be called. That's it, right? It doesn't, it's not an education. It's not a skill set or a specific level of intelligence. It's are you called? And if you're called, everything else is great, right? I mean, if you get a degree, that's great. If you don't get a degree, fine. You know, if you're called, you're called. Now, you know, it's to your advantage to have, uh, to educate yourself. But, you know, Paul educated himself in the law, right? Learned the law, learned the Old Testament. But then all of the writings in the New Testament, he got by revelation, right? The Lord spoke to, spoke to him these things that he's writing to the Philippians right now by, by supernatural revelation. <clears throat> so he's adding to our knowledge of the Lord uh, through his revelation. But, it, but he oftentimes goes back to his knowledge of the Old Covenant, right? He, he'll quote the Old Covenant. Uh, and so uh, it, it's, uh, uh, of course, he also told Timothy to study to show thyself approved unto God a workman that needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So uh, regardless if you have a degree or not, you should always study. Amen. You should always study the word of God and, and, and understand these things. And that's why we, one reason why we come to church and we study the word of God. Right? That's what we're doing right now. We're actually studying the word of God. Amen. Uh, and so, so Paul, is, Paul is saying these things, you know, if I take them out of their context, they will damage my life. If I start comparing myself among yourselves of saying I've got this and you don't, then that's going to damage my spiritual life and it's going to be a hindrance to me. And so I'm going to count them as loss, as things that are unimportant in my life. Yeah. And as long as we can do that, you know, we'll be safe, right? And, and you, so you could still go get all the degrees that you want to get. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm right, now, like right now, I'm trying to convince Jared to, for, for me and him to go study Greek together, right? Because I don't want to do it by myself. It sounds like a lot of work, right? But uh, uh, if I get Jared to do it, you know, we can... Uh, we can uh, enjoy all the pain and agony together. And so, um, and I'm, what, are we going to do that? I don't know. You know, it doesn't really matter to me. Uh, and, and so, uh, and can we do that? And as long as it doesn't cause us to say, well, because I've had people e- even, you know, brag about, oh, I know Greek. I know Greek. See, they didn't count it as loss, right? They counted it as something that was uh, to be compared. Right? You don't know Greek. I, I know Greek, you know. Oh. More Is that, does it make you more spiritual? Really? Yeah. You know, I didn't. You know, that's kind of fun. Yeah. yeah. If you don't read, you're notch above. Really? Okay, well, see, see, I didn't catch that. Because, you know, when they said that, I'm like, okay. I mean, you know, it just, you know, for me personally, the natural, it just, things just don't impress me. But, but if I get around you and you love the Lord and, and you're a kind person, you know, you're walking in the fruit of the Spirit, that impresses me, right? Uh, you know, we, we, when we went to Africa, uh, I mean, uh, so many of the churches, in fact, the first church that me and Jerry walked into, they are worshiping the Lord. And you thought you'd walked into heaven. I mean, just the worship, just, I mean, it was, they worship with every fiber of their being and put, you know, every church in America that I've ever been to to shame, right? Just, and they're on a dirt floor church and they got holes in the walls, no glass in the windows, you know, just, and, and, and now they had like the world's biggest speaker, right? Yeah. And, and not unlike uh, most churches I've been to out in the United States, there's only one setting. It's on, right? It's 100% it's on, right? And, and uh, we went to Mexico and just, I mean, just part your hair, just, you know, these speakers are huge, right? And thousand watts of, of, uh, of amplification and just, they only have one level, just 100%, right? There's, it's like, you know, there's a knob, right? It can go from zero to 100, right? And uh, we even went in there, you know, would it be okay if, if my pastor, would it be okay if my sound man, you know, talking about me, helped you with the sound a little bit? Oh, yeah, we'd love to do that, you know. So first thing I did is like turn everything way down, right? Just turn it down to, because, uh, I mean, the speakers were taller than me. And, and this is a small room, you know, a third of the size of this room right here. You don't need to, you know, Spring City doesn't need to hear the sound, right? I mean, uh, it, it would be okay if it's suf- sufficient for this room. Uh, and... Uh, and they were fine, you know, the, uh, when I was running the sound, but the next service, you know, when I was out of the sound booth, it just cranked it all, you know, all the way back to a thousand percent, right? And so, uh, but they love the Lord. I mean, it's, uh, you know, from a doctrinal standpoint, you know, they didn't know hardly anything. I mean, they, literally, they knew almost nothing of faith, nothing of the word, uh, but worshiping God, and that, that will leave a lasting impression to you. You know, the Lord can work with, you know, he can work with ignorance. If you worship him, he'll find a way to help you, right? And so... 
<clears throat> so things like that, that impresses me, right? Uh, how much do you love the Lord? Uh, and so uh, you want to brag about your car and your house and your whatever. I mean, just like whatever. It's all dirt. It's all going to burn up in the end, you know, and uh, your salary, your income, whatever, or what you know, right, or who you know. <clears throat> in fact, I, uh, <clears throat> I was told that it's important to get to know you know, the, the leadership in our local town here, right? Because, you know, you got to know, you got to know these people. Well, no, I know the Lord Jesus. I know a king. Everybody else, you know, are servants of the Most High God at best, right? Uh, and so uh, I don't have to know anybody or know anybody's name. Uh, and now I'm not opposed to that. I, you know, I, I, I know the mayor, and, and, but it, 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 it doesn't impress me, right? Uh, and so... Um, and that's really where we need to be, amen? Uh, and so we need to count them as loss uh, and, and to be careful about it because uh, he called it a disadvantage, really, that he had to work around, right? You ever had a disadvantage? Maybe you're not as strong as somebody or fast as somebody or, or you know, if you're taking a test, some people are super fast at taking tests and other people are not, so, they, to, so them it's a disadvantage, so they have to uh, get extra time maybe to take the test, right? And maybe they'll eventually do okay on it, but... You know, they, so they have to work around that limitation. And, uh, of course, you know, Paul didn't say in other places that, that knowledge puffeth up, right? And so if you're not careful, your great knowledge of even just the word, right? Not even of Greek and Hebrew, but just, you know, I mean, I have people come and just brag to me. I can quote the entire book of Ephesians. Like, that was going to impress me. And I'm thinking, well, you know, it's, it's kind of more important to live the book of Ephesians than to be able to quote the book of Ephesians, you know I mean? Are we impressed because you can quote words from a page? You know, that just doesn't impress me, right? What impresses me are you're, you're, you know, you're, you're submitting yourselves to each other. You submit to the fivefold ministry, right? Those are the book of Ephesians, right? That you understand that you're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that you're sealed uh, with the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. You know, those things are important, amen? That you know those things and you, and you know them and you live those things. It's not important that you can quote, you know, Paul, an apostle of the Lord Jesus, called of God. I mean, start at verse 1 and go, go to the end of it. <clears throat> and so, uh, so he kind of is lost, right? Uh, and so uh, he meant in the, in the list of things um, that, he, that he gave there, there were seven of those, uh, but he counted them all as a loss to himself, right? Things that could possibly damage his life if he's not careful, amen? They don't have to damage his life, but uh, anything that you obtain could be used against you in a court of law, right? The, the devil will love to get into if, if you, if the Lord has blessed you, say, financially, and you have nice things, nice house, nice cars. The, the, if you're not careful, the devil will use that against you and cause you to get puffed up because of the things that you own, right? Is there anything wrong with owning things? Nothing wrong with owning things, right? The, the issue is if things own you uh, or uh, if you become greatly educated in the Word of God. Uh, and, um, you know, it's, uh, I did uh, jail ministry for many years, and you'd be amazed, uh, of course, if you've ever done it, you probably wouldn't be, but you'd be amazed at the number of Bible scholars that are in jail right now. You know, they go and argue with you, you know, about, you know, some biblical, you know, word or phrase, and, uh, and <laughs> you know, it's just like, you're in jail. You know, you, your, best, your best option right now is to be quiet and listen, amen? You know, it, it's not to prove that you know something, you're in jail. Clearly, you don't know what you, everything you need to know, because if you knew everything you need to know, you wouldn't be in jail for a crime. Now, if you got in jail because of persecution, okay, fine, we'll let that one slide, right? But if you're in jail because you've committed a crime, of course, for the most part, all of them are innocent. I didn't do that, you know? It's like, I think I saw you in a paper with video evidence, you know, a photograph of you doing that crime, you know? Uh, and so, uh, but he considered as a whole, all of his resume, loss, right, of no value. Right, uh, uh, that uh, and if he's not careful, damaging uh, to himself. Uh, and so uh, I wrote down uh, several uh, translations because a lot of translations kind of bring out uh, uh, interesting aspects of verse seven there. So I just want to read verse seven again in the King James says, "But what things were gained to me, those I kind of lost for Christ." Uh, and uh, and so there's some interesting aspects of this that one translation says, "But these things which had been my mastery." these things that he had mastered, that he had accomplished, uh, I have accounted a detriment uh, because of the Lord. Uh, this translation says, Yes, I, Paul, which was rich in privilege, rich in the barren wealth of meticulous performance. I think I wrote this one down because it has a lot of flowery $64 words. 
my credit at the bank of law was plentiful. And what did I do with it? I flung it away. I had no use for such solvency. I once, said, I once thought what was valuable now is worthless. These things that were gained to me are, are now detriments. Things that were important, valuable, or assets are worth nothing or they're a liability and a loss to me. Uh, and so, and I could go on. I, I mean, I, I really enjoyed reading all these different, uh, I'll read Weiss' translation. Uh, but whatever things were to me a gainful asset, these things I have considered a loss when it comes to my acquisition of Christ and still so consider them. And then Wyc- Wycliffe's translation says, things which were to me winnings, I have deemed these impairings for Christ. Uh, and, and so that's really the mentality that we need to have, that uh, nothing wrong with these things, because he doesn't say we shouldn't, we shouldn't try to obtain these things. He didn't say we shouldn't study the law. Uh, he just said that whatever you've got, that, uh, again, it goes back to the root uh, phrase in the previous verse there about having no confidence in the flesh. Amen. So get all you can, right? Earn all you can, learn all you can. But whatever you obtain, always keep it in a column of these things don't add any confidence to my flesh, right? These things don't add any confidence to myself because I know these things or I have these things. And if you keep them in the right place, really the Lord, it's unlimited to what you can obtain and what you can uh, learn from the Lord, amen? Uh, And so for us, the question for for me and you is, uh, can we get to this point in our life, right? And... You know, the, the balance that, uh, that we should uh, strive to obtain is not so much, well, Lord, then I'm never going to study. Lord, I'm never going to obtain anything. Lord, I'm never going to strive to be better. Uh, that, that's really sticking your head in the sand and, and not pursuing the things that the Lord may prompt you to pursue, right? And so I'm never going to be educated. I'm just going to, you know, uh, uh, shoot from the hip. And, you know, the, uh, uh, the healing revivals, that occurred uh, back in, in 1947, uh, one of the, the um, uh, notable features of that is so many of those healing evangelists were just uneducated, you know, just, I mean, just dumb as a brick, right? And, it just, and had no doctrine, no understanding of doctrine, even one that they said uh, they considered to be the preeminent prophet of the nation at that time, said all of, all of our problems in, in life today are because of Eve, because of her, because she failed in the, in the garden, right? Uh, and, of course, that's bad doctrine, right? Because that's literally not the, what the Bible says. The Bible says, for by one man, sin entered into the world, and death by sin. It didn't say by one woman, right? In fact, the, uh, Paul told Timothy that, that Eve was deceived, but Adam was not. So it's not good doctrine to say that, and yet uh, he railed against women all the time because women are the source of all... Now, he's got a point there, right? The women are the source of all of our problems. I know that. That, that part's true, right? But the other part, you know... No, it's not true at all, right? But, but see, the, the preeminent prophet in the, in the land didn't have sound doctrine. And, and as long as he's stayed in the area of ministry, right, ministering the supernatural gifts uh, for the advantage of people in the church, he was good. But if he ever tried to teach doctrine, it was always messed up. And, and I have seen that a lot of times where, you know, like you get an evangelist, you know, and, and I remember one evangelist, just one of the best evangelists I've ever met, just... He'd preach and you get done. You want to go uh, witness to a stump, you know. And, and for years, my pastor would have him come in. And then one day he said, you know, I, I, want, to be, I want to be a teacher. Well, that's a pretty big jump from an evangelist to a teacher only because, you know, it's a different mindset, right? An evangelist is a preacher, right? Somebody just preaching all the time. And could it be done? Well, you know, actually, Brother Randy, he's kind of made that transition, right? He, he was an evangelist. But, you know, now he sends the office of the prophet, but one of the aspects of the prophetic ministry is you have to be a teacher of the word, right? Uh, and really, even in, in a, to a certain extent, even the evangelist should be a teacher of the word. But he wanted to do line upon line and precept upon precept. And, and so he got up and started saying things like, well, you know, God didn't send the flood. I thought, um, but he did send the flood, right? And, and, but see, he got a hold of love and said, well, love would never send a flood well, then love's not going to send judgment on the world at the end of time either then, right? And, no, and love's not going to send anybody to hell. And love's not going to ever, uh, you know, uh, like the man in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, to hand somebody over to Satan for the destruction of flesh. And love's never going to kill the Amorites and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Gibeonites and, and all the otherites. And love would never, I mean, if that's true, then love's not going to do anything, right? Uh, and so, of course, that's not true. Uh, but sometimes, uh, and it's not that, it's not that, 
I'm a teacher because I'm intelligent or because I have an education. I'm a teacher because I'm called to be a teacher. And, and, uh, and so, he, uh, and so he, he quit being an evangelist. And, and we never had him, my, my pastor never had him into the church again because he was, his doctrine was just messed up. Actually, I think he had him a couple more times, but it was like, really? I mean, here we are with it. We're just, you know, every time he came back, it was like, where'd, where'd you get that from? You just made that up. So, you know, if you call to be a teacher or if the Lord trans- transitioned, that's fine. But he said, I want to be that. This is what I want to do. And, and, you know, I don't know, because really in, in, in the fivefold ministry gifts, really the teacher's kind of the lowest, on the lowest totem pole, right? On the, on the, not that it matters, but, you know, from, the, from you look at the, the um, uh, just in, in the New Testament, and it, and it seems like the, the uh, of course, in the, in the list of fivefold ministry gifts there in Ephesians 4.11, it is the last one mentioned. Uh, that doesn't mean it's not an honorable uh, office, obviously. It, they're all honorable, uh, but uh, it is what it is. And so, um, so, uh, so he, did, he, did, he took the things that he should have been doing, and he wasn't doing those. So, so we just have to be careful about, uh, are, are we able to do that, but also at the same time, not try to act like, well, then I should never obtain anything. I should never obtain any education. I should never obtain any finances or should never obtain things. That way, um, that way I'll never make a, make a mistake. And I always think about um, uh, our good friend Jabez. Anybody remember the prayer of Jabez that came out many years ago? Uh, and uh, and I, I don't know where it came from. I remember what the origin of that was. Like, was there a group that came up with it or something? Uh, oh, just a single guy, right? Okay. Well, it was, it was everywhere, right? I mean, I saw calendars and, like, you know, throw pillows and, you know, Afghan, I mean, blankets, you know. It's like, it was everywhere, right? And the Lord, and it's just, you only mentioned, like, two verses in a whole Bible, maybe a verse, you know, if you go back and look it up. And, and what was his prayer? Anybody remember what his prayer was? Yeah, but at the end of it, he says, Lord, that I may do no what? No evil. Right? That was the prayer of Jabez, Lord, that I do no evil. Uh, and so the Lord prompted me, go study, you know, what the deal is. And so I read that, and the Lord said, now. Now that I read that, right, Lord, let me do no evil. He said, now go find out where, he else, is, where else is he mentioned in the Bible. Never mentioned again. So one of the best ways to never make a mistake, never do anything. I mean, if you literally do nothing, you can never do anything wrong. And, and so he got his prayer, Right. And the only way that the Lord could ever, you know, to, to help him get his prayer answered is to have him ever, never do anything. And, you know, I mean, you, you, can, you can put whatever interpretation of that you want to, but that was what the Lord showed me, was that, to, you know, be careful about praying these things because, uh, Lord, don't ever give me anything. And the Lord's like, but I need you to go around the world, right? I need you to do this or that, you know? And, uh, and so a lot of times people will, will feign humility or they will kind of fake humility about, Lord, I don't want anything, and, uh, and they hinder the Lord's ability to use them. Lord, I want everything you want for me to have, everything. Uh, if you want me to, you know, uh, Brother Hagin quote three-fourths uh, uh, three of the New Testament, you know, uh, of course, um, uh, Finnis Day could quote the entire New Testament. Uh, and, and um, you know, it's funny because I see these people on, online, uh, they're, they're striving to be able to memorize, you know, uh, an entire book of the Bible. And they've got, like, Facebook groups that do this stuff, and they're really working at it. And and they give you all kinds of hints about how to memorize scripture, and like, I kind of like the way he did it. He just did it right. The Lord gave him that, that gift uh, to do that, and I like that way than trying to use my natural intellect to do these things, right? Uh, and so, so Paul uh, then he gets to verse eight there, and um, um, let's see. Oh, okay. I couldn't tell if it was eight, five after eight or twenty till eight. So it's twenty till eight. So we're doing good. Uh, so then he gets to verse 8, says, uh, Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered loss of all things, and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. Uh, and so he, now he's comparing all the things, right? All of his experience and knowledge and education. You know, and Paul, as far as we can tell, I mean, he, he would go into the high priest. So he was close to the high priest, right? He could, hey, you know, I need to go down here and, and I need to get a letter from you. Oh, yeah, no problem, Paul. Uh, yeah, here's a letter. Of course, they called him Saul at the time. But, 
So he was in tight with the leadership of Israel, right? He, he wasn't just some unnamed, unknown Pharisee. They knew him, uh, and his reputation preceded him. In fact, remember, after he got saved, he would go places, and they were like, oh, we ain't going there. It's Paul, right? <laughs> uh, we hear he throws people in jail. Uh, and so, but he says he counts, uh, he, he's comparing all the things that he has naturally, comparing to the value of the knowledge of Christ, the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And he says, these things are complete and uh, in total loss and of complete no value compared to knowing the Lord. Uh, and, and I like the way he put that uh, knowledge, uh, the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, right? Uh, you know, there, there's, a, there's a lot of people who know things a, a lot of, about Jesus, but they don't know Jesus. Uh, and, you know, as a Christian, my greatest desire is to know the Lord, not just to know about him. It's not that... Well, I can quote all of Ephesians. I, you know, to me, it's like, that, that's a, so what? I mean, it's such a useless thing uh, unless I can use that knowledge to know the Lord more. Right? Now, if I can say, I, you know, I have studied Ephesians in depth and I really understand who the Lord is and, and our position in Christ because of this. Okay, that's valuable, right? But there's no real value in being able to quote a whole book of the Bible, right? Uh, there's just no, of course, I'd start with like, you know, 2 John. There's only, I think, eight verses of 2 John. Right? Let's start, start way up there, right? Uh, and so maybe third John, I think, is, you know, the handful of verses in those. I mean, not Jude. Jude's got like 25 verses. That's way too much work right there. Uh, and so, but uh, how valuable is knowing the Lord to you? See, because the, the whole purpose of the, of the Word of God is to reveal the Lord to us, reveal who He is, what makes Him tick, you know, why does He do the things He does, what's His desire for mankind is, uh, what, what pleases Him, you know, those are things I want to know. Just being able to, to recite, you know, all the lineage of the kings of Israel. I mean, okay, or, or would you be impressed if I gave you all that? I don't know it actually, by the way, you know. But, uh, but what if I did know that? Would I, would I impress you? Would you all go, wow, he could quote all the, you know, from David, you know, or actually Saul all the way down to whoever the last king was. I have no idea who he is. Uh, but... Um, would that impress you? Now, some people would impress, right? Some people would be like, wow, he can, I mean, it'd be like, really? You, how much time did you spend doing that, right? How much time did you spend uh, uh, studying in the list of kings of, of Israel, right? Uh, no, he said, all of it, all of the natural things, they just don't matter compared to knowing the Lord, right? Uh, and I, you know, I've told you many times that when I got saved, I had no knowledge of the Lord. I, you know, I knew him from the standpoint of, uh, even as a, as a small child, I, I knew the Lord only from the, I knew that he existed and I knew that I wanted to know him. Uh, and eventually I got saved. And, and even after all those years of, uh, in praying to him and talking to him prior to me being saved, uh, the only thing I knew about the Lord was that he was good. And, that, and, but that's a pretty big revelation, right? I mean, a lot of Christians today don't have that revelation, but I knew that he was good. And, and, and that knowledge has served me so well over the years because everything I read in the Word of God, I read it in the light of, okay, God is good. Not God is good that He's going to kill you because He loves you. That's not God is good, right? When, God, when I say God is good, it's the normal, if you're outside the church, if I told you something was good, you'd be, oh, well, that means it's positive, it's to my advantage, it, it feels good, it tastes good, it smells good. You know, whatever good is, it's all of those things, right? And it's not, well, you know, I did a good thing and, you know, I slashed my neighbor's tires. How is that a good thing? Well, because, you know, uh, it helped them. Well, how did it help them? Well, you know, uh, you make up some, some weird thing. Well, that's not, that's not good, right? Good is good. Uh, and it shouldn't require a lot of theological explanation to understand what good is. We all know what good is outside the four walls of the church. But somehow we get inside the four walls of the church and we forget what good means, right? Well, good just means good. It's not, not hard to understand. And I knew that the Lord was good. Yeah. And so... You know, it, it, uh, I didn't know that the Lord, the Lord healed, but when someone said that he's a healer, the knowledge that the Lord is good, it was, oh, oh yeah, nope, yeah, sounds good to me. I mean, you know, I didn't know the Lord prospered us, but when I found that the Lord prospers us, it, you know, my heart is, oh, oh, yeah, sounds good to me. And that sounds like what a good God would do. I mean, if I was a good God, that's what I would do. I'd prosper my children. But then years later, I mean, it was several years later, I started hearing people didn't believe that God was a healer. And I, I'd look at it like, how could you not know God was? You don't even have to know book, chapter, verse to know that God is a healer. If you know God is good, you would have to know that he's a healer. You, you don't have to even be able to quote book, chapter, and verse to know he's a healer if you know he's good. 
Now you can, I can quote lots of scriptures about healing now, but I didn't have to have that, that, that the specific verses there to know that he's a healer. I know that he's a healer because he's a good God. See, that to me, that knowledge of who the Lord is, right? In the knowledge there, it's not just, it's not the natural knowledge. It's not like book knowledge, you can, well, I made an A on, on the Lord. It's the experiential knowledge of having a relationship with him. That, that's the kind of knowledge it is, right? So it's more than just uh, uh, black ink on white paper. It's, I know him, right? I know who he is. If, if uh, you, well, just like I said, people said that he's not a healer. Like, that's not, you know, that's not him. That's not the God I know. The Lord God I know is he's a healer. Amen. And he's always a healer. He's never not a healer. Uh, and there's never a situation, you know, of course, all right, we, if you've been to healing school at all, you know, we say it all the time that there's uh, every single time without exception, the Lord desires to heal your body. No, there's never been an exception in the history of humanity. The Lord has never desired for anybody to remain sick. Now, there are times when people have remained sick in spite of his desire and he was unable to, to bring healing to them because of their choices that they've made, perhaps. Now, there are plenty of situations like that, but there's never a situation where the Lord's like, I want them to be sick. I could heal them, but, but, uh, and they've done nothing wrong. I just want them to be sick. And that's kind of the Job mentality, right? A lot of people love Job, right? Uh, and they love, they love Job's experience because I'm, I'm going through Job's experience. But man, that's, that's the best. That, that's really great because in just nine months, you're going to have double everything and, and you're going to have all this income and you're going to have this great family and you're going to be well-loved and you're going to see your kids to your second and third generation. And uh, man, you should be so excited going through Job's experience, uh, but they never get out of Job's experience. It's like, well, he only went through it nine months. How come you're taking nine years to get through it? I mean, and anybody remember how Job got out of his Job experience? What did he do? He repented, right? Remember, uh, he, uh, he, he, he's in chapter 3, it says, that, uh, uh, that which I feared the most has come upon me. And, of course, we saw in, in chapters 1 and 2 where it says the devil came to the Lord and said, hey, you know, Job, you know, he, he's got it easy. And, and the Lord said, behold, he is in your hands. He never said, behold, I put him in your hands. He said, behold, he's in your hands, which when, when you get in fear, what do you do? you open yourself up to the devil. Uh, and so that's what Job had done. He got in fear. And that which I feared the most has come upon me. I lost all my finances. I lost my family. I, I lost everything. And he, so he feared that. He must have been afraid of all this wonderful life that he had that he was going to lose it all. And you know people like that. You know, they're so prosperous, they're so happy, so blessed, but they're in fear every day. That someone's going to steal it from them or some, somehow they're going to lose it. And, and so, well, that seems like really a sad to be that blessed, but, but they'd be in that much fear. And, but that was Paul or that was Job, right? Well, that was Job chapter 3. Anybody remember how many chapters there are in the book of Job? It's 42 chapters, right? So from chapter 3 to, to chapter, basically chapter 42, so it's about 39 chapters there, right? It's just blah, 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 blah. You know, his terrible friends come to him, oh, Job, it's, you know, you've got some deep secret sin. That's what it is. Job's like, hey, come, you know. And the next one goes, oh, yeah, I know what it is, Job. You know, you're so full of pride. You'd, and Job's like, what, what are you? I, you know, I've been, but see, they were just jealous of Job, right, in the position that he held, because he was, he, was he was the greatest man in the East, and so they were, his friends were jealous for, about him, and envious of his things that he had, the position that he had, and so now that he's on, he's on the ground, they, they love kicking him. You ever had people kick people when they're down, seeing people that love kicking people when they're down? No, they would never kick him when they were up, because no, there's no, Job, he's the greatest man in the East, but they love kicking him when he's down, and, and finally, in fact, if he, Job repented, but then the Lord said, now, before we finish this up, you go and, and uh, uh, ask for forgiveness for your friends, right? And, and you make sure that they're taken care of, and then you'll get everything back. And he did. He took care of, you know, he made sure that uh, his friends were taken care of because the Lord would have, you know, just took his hands off his friends because they were just terrible friends. So Job repented, and, and after he repented, he got everything back. So, so who was at fault for all of Job's problems? Job was. Right? If you go, in fact, if you go to, you should read uh, like chapters uh, 39, 40, 41, when the Lord comes to Job and, and starts asking him questions. Can you control the Leviathan? You know, can you make the, 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 the sky thunder and the clouds rain? And, you know, I don't know the specifics of it, but, but he starts asking Job, can you do any of these things? And Job's like, no, I can't do any of that stuff. And, and finally, the Lord's like, now you're about to get, to get a clue, Job. Because see, before, when he was the greatest man in the East, he's like, 
he, he's Paul. He had confidence in the flesh. I, man, I've got it good. I've got everything going good. Everything's running smooth. And remember what Job would do. He'd go every day and sacrifice for his children in ca- just in case they were in sin. Well, he knew they were in sin. Everybody in the town knew they were in sin, right? They were partying and riotous living and all this stuff. And, well, just in case. Well, what was he doing? I've got this, Lord. I can handle it. I, I'll take care of the situation. I have confidence in my position as Job that I can offer sacrifices on behalf of my children who will not repent, and, and they'll be fine. And the Lord's like, who are you? Who are you, Job? You know, you're the greatest man in the East, but that's not the measurement that I'm measuring by. And, and, but have we all fallen to that same position where, where Lord, I, I'm, I'm pretty important. Well, I, I've got this, right? I'll, I'll, t- I'll go pray on their behalf, and, and, and you'll overlook all that thing. And I know there's a, there is a, a true doctrine related to that, but not based upon my good works, though, not based on my righteousness. And so Job was really living in a situation of, Lord, I can take care of this. And so the Lord, you, you should read those chapters because just the Lord asked question after question. After Job, and, and you could just feel Job getting smaller and smaller and smaller, realizing that he, he can't do anything. He has no power to move the earth or move nature or to create a star or to cause the wind to blow or anything. And, and, and that's where we should all be. We should all have the same realization that I am of no value, right? that, that I bring nothing to the table except my obedience. That's all I bring to the table. Now, I don't bring any skills, talents, abilities, education, whatever. I bring nothing. And see, it, it costs Job everything to learn that. The, the great value of the book of Job is to learn what Job should have learned without, without suffering the way Job suffered. Amen? Uh, and if we'll do that, see, Paul learned that lesson, right? I count all these things for loss, but, uh, for the excellency of Christ. Uh, so he said, or the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. Uh, Paul said, none of that stuff matters. It just doesn't matter. And so I think Job, I actually enjoy reading Job. Now, I don't much enjoy reading all of his friends, you know, uh, but I like reading like the first three chapters of Job and the last three chapters of Job. And, and the rest of it's kind of like rinse and repeat. It's over and over again. You know, even his wife got out of the fact. Just curse God and die, right? And, and so foolish woman, you know, even his wife w- uh, wasn't for him. Uh, and it's funny because, well, not funny, but, you know, it's interesting that, that uh, the devil, uh, so who killed all of Job's children? The devil did, right? Because the devil, remember, the devil went to the Lord and said, hey, you know, uh, uh, Job's got it easy. He says, well, he's in your hands, you know. So he went and killed all of his kids, right? But who'd he leave? <laughs> he left the wife because <laughs> she was on his side. She was on the side of the devil. He said, well, I can't kill an ally, right? I need to keep, I need, I need this ally here there. So anyway, so that, uh, I mean, you can just read into that whatever you want to. But um, <laughs> I thought it was a pretty good revelation that, you know, he didn't kill the wife, you know. And so, <laughs> um, so <clears throat> Job is a, uh, if you could learn what Job learned, that I bring nothing to the table. And, and, and it took him a lot of effort, you know, uh, to ask in the Lord. Uh, in fact, twice the Lord said, you know, act like a man. To Job, act like a man. Quit acting like a big baby. Act like a man. Because uh, he's whining and complaining, you know, oh, it's so hard, it's so hard. And, and he could have got out of it, you know, after the first child died, he could have got out of it by repenting. After the second child died, you know, when all the... When all the sheep were killed, he could have got out of it. When all the cattle were killed, he could have got out of it. When all the gold was lost, he could have got out of it. When all the silver was lost, he could have got out of it. If he, if he just figured it out, or if he'd figured out that, oh, this is all on me. All of this is on me. He's trying to find some external thing that happened that maybe he could point the finger at that. Uh, and so um, can, can we make that same comparison that, that all that we have, all that we own, all that we know, is of no value compared to, compared to knowing the Lord Jesus, knowing who he is. And to me, that's, that's, that's the greatest pursuit of my life is when I'm reading the word of God, Lord, who are you? Why did you do this? When, I, when I'm reading the gospels, especially, and seeing how Jesus does things, I want to say, Lord Jesus, why did you do that? Why did you say those words? You know what? Where did you come up with these things? I want to know, you, why, why did you want to do it this way? Why did you want to come to the earth and in the way that you did, you know, my, my desire is to know him, know why he, and when you see, when you start seeing those things, you start seeing the big picture of, of redemption, and how everything in the Old Testament is only driving towards the goal of the cross, right, and, and so you see, you read the Old Covenant, and you read, everything there is only to get to the cross, right, everything, so it's, and it's amazing we ever made it to the cross, you know, in spite of, all the, I mean, you read the, uh, like the book of Second Kings, and 
uh, and really 1 Kings 2, uh, after Solomon died, and the insanity in the kingdom, right? And the insanity of the kings and how uh, one king was a king for like four days, you know, he's four, four days and they killed him. And, and man, tough being king, right? And, uh, and, and um, the other was for a, a month, you know, four months. And, uh, it, it just, it wasn't healthy to be a king back then because it just, people conspire against you and kill you and, uh, and just it, backstabbing and, and uh, it was awful. And, and somehow we made it to the cross, right? Somehow, and if you look at even the bloodline of Jesus, there was all kinds of, of uh, uh, incest and, and, and adultery and, and uh, sin going on in the bloodline of Jesus. And you think, well, Jesus would have this perfect bloodline. He's got no skeletons in the closet. All he's got in his closet is skeletons. Yeah. And somehow he made it. And, and so, so you see that, you know, that the Lord was able to get it across the line in spite of humanity's best effort to mess it up. Uh, well, that, that shows you how, how important redemption was to him. He never quit. He never said, we're just not going to, boys, we're just not going to do it. Uh, we tried it. We've been doing this for thousands of years, and, and we're not any closer now than when we started, so we're just going to quit. Uh, and he could have done that. You know, of course, he's not, he's not the kind of God that quits things, but that's what I want to know. I want to know the Lord. I want to know who he is. Amen. Uh, and, and see, it's, it's nothing for me to, to count. You know, I mean, I've got a whole collection of degrees. They're just, they're just paper to me. You know, they're pretty. You know, you should, I've got them in frame somewhere. Uh, but, um, but they're just paper. Uh, and, you know, I, I told you when we went through Bible school, they had, we went through, you know, all of the, the undergraduate, and then we did the master's program, and, and, you know, each thing you had to either, when you got to the master's program, you had to do so many hours of teaching, and you had to write, you know, a thesis, and, and then to do the doctorate, you had to do more teaching, and, and you had to write a dissertation. And um, so when they opened it up for us to do the doctorate program, you know, I asked a friend of mine, because we've been going through this program together, I said, are you going to go and pursue your doctorate? Are you going to... And he said, no. And I said, well, why not? You know, we've been friends for years. And, and I could always tell when he was hiding something, well, you know, like, what? Well, you know, that's now i got to know, right? Because, you know, they give a hint that there's more there than just, no, I'm not going to do that. And, and finally, I, I, I pinned him up against the wall, you know, not really because he was a football player, so that's literal. I mean, not literal, it's figuratively. But um, he said, well, I just, I don't feel worthy to get a doctorate degree. And I looked at him and I, and I, and I said those words. I said, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Well, I mean, how does a piece of paper, it doesn't mean anything. The, the whole point of getting a doctorate degree is the effort and what you learn to get that piece of paper. It's not the piece of paper that means anything, it's the, the journey that you took to get there, what you study and what you learn, you know, that to, in order to achieve that particular goal. And that's the only reason why you get it. Now, for some people, I'm sure it's like, I, I want to be a doctor, right? I want to be doctor so-and-so, right? Uh, and that's fine if, if they want to have confidence in their flesh by saying they're doctor so-and-so. And I got no, I mean, I'm, I think, yeah, my, my name plate over there says Dr. Chip, right? And so, and when I go to Brother Randy, they all, they all call me Dr. Chip. And you know, every time you do, I just, yeah, that's me, that's Dr. Chip. And actually, it's Dr. Mr. Pastor Chip, really, really. Uh, and, you know, about a year ago, it was Dr. Mr. Pastor Professor Chip, right? Uh, now it's uh, uh, Dr. Mr. Pastor, uh, what, is, what is it? Uh, oh, Professional Plumber Chip, right? I have a, I have a license. Uh, yeah, Grandpa Chip, right? Uh, that doesn't impress as many people, though. Um, but anyway, it doesn't mean anything, right? It, it doesn't. And so he thought it meant something. He thought that that piece of paper meant something. Well, see, he was concerned that he would have confidence in the flesh, that that, that piece of paper would cause him to exchange that piece of paper for the knowledge of Christ, for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. And, and, and we should, uh, uh, in fact, Paul says that, um, uh, well, before, before we get to that part, uh, I, I also wrote these things down, too, in a lot of different translations about what he, what he counted loss. Uh, and he said, uh, uh, because of the holding over knowledge of the anointed one, the superiority of the knowledge of, of the anointed Jesus, the priceless privilege and supreme advantage of knowing uh, Christ, the higher position, the information about the anointed one, the surpassing worth of the knowledge of Christ, the preeminent knowledge of Jesus Christ. That sounds fancy right there, right? Preeminent knowledge of the fancy uh, of, of the uh, knowledge of Christ, preeminent knowledge of Jesus Christ. Uh, and so, but if we go back to the verse, if you look at the beginning of the verse, 
he says, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. And then he says, Christ Jesus, my Lord, he says, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but done. So it's interesting that, that, that he, ha- he counts all things as loss, but then he did, actually did lose everything, right? He lost all of his natural position. He lost his natural title. He lost, you know, being known as, as Saul, the, the, the Christian uh, uh, destroyer. He lost all of those things. Uh, but see... He, before he lost those things, because it took a period of time, right? I mean, he got saved and it wasn't immediate. It took some time for him to lose those things. But once he got saved and understood who the Lord was, in his heart, they were already gone. So when that actually happened, it wasn't even a thing for him. He didn't lament, go, wow, I sure miss, I sure miss being in the, in the halls of the high priest. I sure miss being called upon, you know, when somebody wants to know what's wrong with those Christians. I'll tell you what's wrong with those Christians. You know, he didn't have that position anymore. He lost that position and title. Uh, and, and, but, see, he had, already, he had already decided that those things were of no value anyway. So when he lost those things, and sometimes he lost all of his natural possessions, right? He would just, uh, he'd have to leave town, be let down in a basket somewhere. And, and the things that he owned and the, the, the positions that he had uh, didn't hold any sway to him. Amen? Uh, and so... You know, for us, uh, are we willing to be in that same place? Or do we, do we count these things as of no value so that if we ever did lose, you know, uh, I mean, if the Lord said, I need you to, to just pick up and, and leave. You know, uh, Lester Summerall used to tell the stories of, of uh, <clears throat> uh, when the Lord would call him to go somewhere. The Lord said, I need you to go. Uh, one time the Lord said, I need you to move to the Philippines. He was in South Bend, Indiana, I think at the time. I need you to move to the Philippines. Well, that's not across the street, right? That's not, you know, that's not different city, same, same everything else. It's everything, you know, everything's turned upside down. And he went to, to where his wife was at, said, we're going to the Philippines. Because I'm sure, you know, I wasn't there, but I'm sure it was about like that because he was Lester, right? And he just, we're going to the Philippines, you know. Didn't ask her opinion. You know, like Brother Hagen, when he made some changes, he would say, Lord, now you've got to tell my wife these things too because we're in this together, right? And, and so... Uh, when he was at his last uh, pastorate, uh, or uh, I don't know if it's changing churches or, or leaving the, the pastorate entirely, but uh, he'd been kind of working up to it, and, and finally he's hinted around to Aretha, hey, um, it was at a church, there was a particular church that was uh, a really troubled church, and has um, the Lord been saying to you about anything about anything? Just anything in general? Just, you know, nothing in particular, just anything? Well, you know, I, he, she said, I thought it was just me, but I keep sensing about going back to that church. And, and, and Brother Hagin said, well, that's what the Lord's been telling me too. Uh, and so they were in agreement. And it was a difficult church. And, and uh, um, there's a lot of times he said if, if he knew it wasn't the Lord, he'd pack up in the middle of the night and just leave. But for Lester, he's like, we're moving to the Philippines. <laughs> and so he said uh, his, his wife would just, uh, and she would tell some of these testimonies that, she would just start packing in tears. She'd just start packing because she knew once the Lord spoke, that's what we're doing. And so she didn't want to move, but because uh, she liked her home and she liked her close, being close to friends and, and uh, other family members. But if the Lord said to move, she'd, she'd do it, you know. And so, um, so he, of course, Lester counted loss. Everything was lost, right? His house was lost. It didn't matter. The Lord said, give it away, give it away, right? Uh, and, and we have to get to that. If we, if we want the knowledge of the Lord Jesus, if we want to know who he is, everything has to be on the line, right? Everything has to be uh, of no value. Lord says, give it away, no problem. Because as soon as, as soon as we say, Lord, I don't want to give that away, well, then that is something, remember how many times did Jesus say, unless a man loses his life, right, he'll gain it. Uh, the one who, who gains his life will lose it. And of course, if you go back and look at those Look at those particular scriptures. I know we got to go. Maybe we'll, uh, if you remind me, we can do this next week. But if you look at where he says gaining life and losing life, that word life there is suke. It does, it's not talking about your natural life or your physical life. It's talking about your will, right? It's your, your mind, it's your soul, right? Lose his soul is what he's saying. Translated as soul, but, but our soul is our mind, and will, and emotions. And so what he's really talking about is anyone who, who chooses to give up their will, what they want to do for my benefit, will be saved. But anybody who keeps a hold of their own will, I want to do what I want to do, they'll lose it. 
And, and remember, he said, what, what profit of the man if he gained the whole world and loses what? Loses soul. And, and you know, again, uh, I asked the question, well, what does that mean? What does it mean to lose your soul? Anybody ever thought about that? What does it mean to lose your soul? Well, well I mean, it, technically it means you're going to die and go to hell, right? Uh, we know that. But what does it mean to lose your soul? Is like you no longer have a soul? Is it gone? Is it, is it uh, lost in a couch cushion somewhere? Uh, no, it, what it means is, uh, when you lose your soul, because he says lose specifically your soul, right? Suke, not your spirit. You lose your soul. And, and so if you think about those who miss heaven, they all end up in hell. And, and uh, do they still have a free will in hell? I mean, desire, or do they have a desires, right? Don't, uh, you think anybody in hell wants to be in hell? No, so, so they have a will. They have a free will, right? I mean, they can desire anything they want to. But do they have the ability to execute that will, to exercise that free will? They, do, they have lost the ability to exercise that free will, so they've lost their soul, right? So, uh, so, in that, so that's how, what it means to lose your soul, is you lose the ability and the freedom and the right to execute uh, your desire. Uh, and and so, so that's a big deal, right? Uh, and, and if we can get to that same point, see, that's the place we're supposed to be at now, right? That we've lost our soul in the sense that, Lord, my desire is your desire. Now, if the Lord has no desire, like, uh, you know, uh, we're, we're gonna about done with service, it's, it's 8.05, right? So we'll be done, you know, in 50 minutes or an hour or so, whatever. Um, then you, you get to go home. But you know, you may wanna stop by and get you like a milkshake at Sonic. Well, if the Lord doesn't say not to get a milkshake, is it okay to, well, you know, that's your will. You could do that, right? now. If the Lord doesn't care, it's okay to do that. But if he says, hey, I need you to go by the hospital instead. And if you're like, I think I'd rather have a chocolate shake. You know, that, see, that's a problem, right? It's not, it's not a problem until it's a problem, right? It's not a problem until, uh, until you, you override the Lord's will, amen? But a lot of times if he's like, I don't care, you know, I don't have anything for you to do, so, you know, have the night off, do whatever you want to, you know, go wild and get like two milkshakes, right? Uh, and so... <clears throat> So uh, Paul, we can learn, you know, Paul was, the thing about Paul that I love is he was sold out 100%. Even Peter struggled with being sold out 100%. He was sold out like 95% until, you know, he started getting important. And then these fancy Jews came around and he, he kind of yielded to them and said, well, you know, I don't want to offend any Jews, so we're going we're gonna to act like a Jew just for today. Uh, Paul's like, no, this is, the, this is the path we're on. You want to you join me? Fine. You don't want to join me? I'm, still, I'm always moving forward. Barnabas, see you, buddy. You know, I mean, he's, he's always moving forward. Amen? Uh, and if you look at the conflict that Paul and Barnabas had there in the book of Acts, after they had a conflict, how many more times was the, the, the name of Barnabas mentioned in the book of Acts? Zero. Right? Barnabas was, was the man, right? I mean, he's the one who introduced Paul to the church. Uh, and, and yet he got in conflict with Paul. And, and you know, sometimes, you know, somebody, uh, the Lord will just accelerate their ministry and they'll, they'll you know, uh, they'll, they'll be promoted by the Lord. And then sometimes we don't like that. And, and, and if we don't, if we don't uh, stay with the Lord, uh, we'll be forgotten, right? Not, we won't lose, die and go to hell. I mean, part of some sure is up in heaven, probably still apologizing to Paul for getting mad at him about that situation there. And they got mad at each other, right? There was a contention between them, right? And so, but I think Paul was right. Some people think Paul was wrong, right? Barnabas was never mentioned again, never. Paul, the whole rest of the book of Acts was all about Paul. Seems to me that the Lord uh, said that Paul was in the right direction on doing that. And because uh, he later on reconciled with John Mark, who was a whole contention there. And, and so, anyway, that's another discussion. But uh, so let's lose everything, amen? Let's take everything we have, every natural thing we have, every intellectual thing we have, every uh, historical thing we have, anything we have, and we've got to put it in this in the, of no value column. No, it's not, it doesn't mean anything to me, right? Do, nothing means anything. Amen? Nothing wrong with having things at all. But uh, it's all going to be, Lord, it's all yours. It's all yours to do with as you see fit. And if you want me to give it all away, no problem. Some people are like, you know, they, they won't give nothing away, just nothing, right? Uh, and uh, and the folks like that don't know the value of knowing the Lord Jesus, right? They think the value is having the things they've got. And, and they will, they will uh, miss a lot of the blessings of the Lord because of that, amen? So let's pray and thank the Lord for his word. So Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the blessings of heaven. We thank you, Father, that we can desire to know you, the excellency of the knowledge of you, Father. There's nothing more important than knowing who you are, knowing you, knowing 
what pleases you, what, what you want us to do, Father. There's no, nothing more valuable than that. There's, there's surely nothing that we own or, or, we, or we know or any skills that we have is more valuable than that, Father. And in fact, they're lost. They have no value. They have zero value compared to knowing you. Father, we choose to live this way. We choose to commit ourselves to live this way. And Father, we put everything on the line each and every day. Everything we have, everything we know, Father, it's all yours. And so, Father, we thank you for that. We give you all the praise and the honor for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Well, let's get ready to receive this evening's offering. And, and uh, you know, I've enjoyed this little uh, discussion here in these few verses with Paul because it really, if you want to know who Paul is, this is who Paul is, right? That the most important thing with him was to know the Lord. Uh, and, um, and you can see, you know, I mean, he could have been, I don't know if he was qualified to be a high priest or not, but he was for sure a Pharisee, right? I don't know if, well, he was the tribe of Benjamin, so he wouldn't have been high priest. He, he was, uh, had to have been a, a tribe of Levi for that, right? But, um, uh, but he was a sure, uh, uh, held a high position in Israel at the time, amen? Walked away from all of it. Uh, and so come ahead, Mr. Jared, and receive the offering. And like I said, Chris will be back with us tomorrow, so she uh, may come in some snowshoes too, I don't know, but... Um, uh, and so Chicago, yeah, they're on Eastern time, so she's on the same time zone as us right now. Um, so, all right, well, praise God. Well, have a wonderful weekend, Lord, and uh, we'll see you all on Sunday.